Hi everybody, I'm Lily La Pescadita from Northland Pro Wrestling, your Northland Pro Wrestling Women's Champ, and you can see me on Wrestling Spotlight. I'm Gerald Bentley. We're back here on Wrestling Spotlight. It's the weekly champions episode of the show, and we are joined again by the publisher, the editor-in-chief of the Pro Wrestling Post, and as you're watching this, it's time you can get back into the podcast. You can hear Mark Madison with the Pro Wrestling Post podcast. They're previewing the Elimination Chamber on the podcast this week. It's available wherever you get your podcast. See the graphic right there on the screen. Mark, thanks a lot for joining us. It's been an eventful week in pro wrestling. You see behind me, I have one of the matches that just got announced for Revolution. The Patriarchy, Christian Cage, going to be defending that TNT Championship against Daniel Garcia. So, a new match that came out, and, you know, Christian Cage, a guy who's a historic champion, actually, in multiple companies, probably doesn't get the credit he deserves. Uh, that should be a really good match, and just something that was new since the last time we talked. And, of course, we'll get into the big event coming up this weekend with the Elimination Chamber. But what's been your feel of Christian Cage in this new era of Christian in AEW? I think anybody that thought he was underrated uh, will have a, has, probably has to have a different tune now in hearing and seeing this awful, loathsome, worthless person that's just you know that will spit on anybody's father that's actually deceased and really blurring the lines between fantasy and reality and definitely oh he's just if he is if you if liking a heel is who you most look forward to seeing please i, I would say give christian cage his flowers because he is so convinced on making that character just so despised yeah and uh, i don't know if you remember yeah. when he was signed to aew and was the mystery signee and mm -hmm. tony khan talked about it being one of his all-time favorite wrestlers the response was underwhelming when it was christian because he always really kind of took a backstage to adam copeland edge Right. Even though he's a former world heavyweight champion in Impact and is one of the best tag team wrestlers of all time, I think he's really getting a chance now to show how much of a ability he has, a unique ability he has as a talker. Because he's been both the face and the heel in AEW and really right now is probably the top heel in the company. Oh, without question, without question. I mean, his time, even when he was briefly with <clears throat> TNA Impact um, back, I guess, before 2010, when he was there as the instant classic, and he had a successful run then, too. He was contending. He was their world champion. And we could see even then, yeah, it was on a smaller scale. And I think that's what's wonderful about Christian is that not that there's nothing anything wrong with being a company man and not to say that Edge hasn't committed his life to the WWE. Something has to be said about Christian about wanting to carve his own niche. 
and not be tied to any one promotion because no one promotion should define you. So the ability to reinvent himself time and time again um, in his way, in his um, image, I think has worked. Uh, yes, there's Chris Jericho who's reinvented himself, but he's shown so much value as being at the top of a card if given the opportunity. And I think now... If people slept on Christian Cage, not necessarily old fans would have, but if new fans had ever slept on Christian Cage, not knowing what he's capable of, please sit up and take notice. Because for as dastardly as MJF was, I really think Christian Cage is going in a whole different direction and, and is the one to sit up and take notice. Yeah, and, and this is something that I think very few people would have been thinking you'd be able to say but minus mjf no mention I mean, he's the last time he was mentioned was when adam cole said we won't see him for a long time aew had the top rated program on all of cable television last wednesday so mm-hmm. they're they're picking up steam i think they're getting the momentum back and really putting on some of the best shows weekly that they have since probably 2021 Mm-hmm. They're really uh, doing a great job with a a different style of pro wrestling. You're seeing those longer matches, the more intense matches, as opposed to the WWE with the shorter matches and much more built up promos and story pieces. It's it's good to see that you can make both work. And you certainly is. You certainly can. And we're seeing stars develop that weren't necessarily getting that opportunity in, in the WWE. And now we're getting a chance to see Samoa Joe at the top of the card and Swerve Strickland mm-hmm. at the top of the card. And these were guys that would they have gotten that opportunity? I don't know. I think the only person I'm waiting for to see that opportunity be given to once again is Malachi Black. I think that's the one guy that I don't want anyone sleeping on what he's capable of because he can be super articulate he can tell a story in the ring time and time again. Um, he's the only one that I can think off the top of my head I'd like to see elevated. It's more than just part of a trio, but as the leader of the House of Black and that things still need to go through him. So, Yeah, but, I would agree with that. Keith Lee gets mentioned a lot. If you yep. haven't been following it, he's out for quite a while. He's having multiple surgeries done to repair injuries that have been you know persistent and he had a tremendously difficult time with covid so Mm -hmm. there's there's been reasons that have kept keith lee from being the dominant force that he could be let's talk about one uh oh go ahead no no, and it's a shame because he's so articulate he could convey and yet do it in such a he could destroy you with his words and his body so to Mm -hmm. see that he's having to sit on the shelf um it's unfortunate we just hope that he makes a quick recovery and a safe recovery because there's so much that he's capable of but if you're ill or if you're injured you're not fully getting what that talent is capable of doing if they're not out there getting a chance to heal properly and getting the care they need. So um, hopefully time and patience and Tony Khan will provide both for Keith and we will see the limitless one sooner rather than later. 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's really amazing some of the moves that he can do for being an athlete of his size. So yeah. definitely well wishes to Keith Lee from the whole wrestling spotlight team. Wanted to mention one big story that kind of under the radar, but just broke with AEW. Jennifer Peppermint hmm. makes the move from the WWE to AEW. If you're not familiar with the name, understand she was one of the heads of the writer's room for the WWE, a former Emmy Award winning soap opera writer. People that have been saying AEW is not doing the long form storytelling. They're not writing the stories. They're not finishing the stories. I'd imagine that's what she's coming in for and probably has something to do with the initial appearance of the legit boss, Mercedes Monet, the former Sasha Banks. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm a little divided on her hire and her being brought in because she's also been implicated, I believe, into the legal... Um, mm. So the legal, the case itself, I think her name was listed among... Mentioned those. in the... Okay. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, and some of the things that she's being accused of saying or doing, again, there are only claims every once you things go to trial, what happens then? But um, I think that's I, I, I'm going to think that Tony's going to probably tread lightly because I think PR is also important. So mm -hmm. uh, what's the long game on Jennifer's place, bringing her in, but yet still having control over what's said and done in her role. Um, that's going to be key too. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that'll be interesting because yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of things that can uh, derail you. So hopefully it, uh, that works out for the best because I think the, the positive side is you're looking at elevating that women's division. Oh, and everything goes together. Hopefully we'll see the upswing. Now, I, I wanted to ask about some of the great content that's out right now from the Pro Wrestling Post. And, of course, we'll mention again, the podcast is available now wherever you get your podcast. You can hear Mark and his co-host break down yeah. the yeah, elimination chamber. Yeah, I, I can't, I wouldn't say enough. Mark Blake, who is my, my compadre, my, <laughs> my, my left hand, basically. Okay. He's a, a key part in making this work. So um, the, the dichotomy of his sweet English UK tones to my Canadian. So we are a Commonwealth connection. <laughs> there you go. I guess, he, I guess I'm the landstorm to his William Regal. So it would work out that sure. way. <laughs> Well, definitely interesting listen. I got a chance to listen to uh, most of the episode today. I'll be catching up with the rest of it. And it's a good thing to follow along with. So you get to hear a little bit more in depth from some of the voices you hear here on the channel. Now, if you have a chance to look at the website, you guys have had some great articles for Black History Month. I wanted to just highlight a couple of them. One of them. I mean, this guy was a legend. Uh, one of the first, I think, big wrestling superstars 
that I followed as he made his way from the territories to the WWF at the time, mm-hmm. the JYD. What, what do you guys say about the impact of the unsung hero of pro wrestling, the junkyard dog? What, what makes him the unsung hero? Uh, I, I think what happens is it's forgotten what somebody's contributions are done, what they've done. When you look at something 40 years down, I think 40 years later, essentially, I remember watching him when I was first following the WWF at the time. uh, And he would come to the ring, not with grab them cakes, which was his theme song, but I had heard they had used uh, Queens. Another one bites the dust. And I think before Mm -hmm. before copyright became something, that Vince McMahon had to pay for that was, I think that was how I was even introduced to Queen was through yeah. that theme song. And so something as simple as just him encouraging kids to come into the ring and it felt very warm and inviting, but to know that he was also a heel. I mean, this was predates my time in watching wrestling that he was a heel in working for Bill Watts. And, but he was in such demand that when he came to the WWF, he was just warm and inviting and just reflected the community. He invited he, families loved watching JYD compete. Um, wished he would have been the one to hold gold more often than not, but um, he had notable feuds with the likes of Harry, um, Harley Race, and then he competed against um, guys that were bigger than him as well, Andre and Big John Studd. But at the same time, I think it gets lost that time seems to have passed us by and we didn't remember how good he was, how athletic, how strong he was, how articulate he was, um, how he was so convinced with thump laced on the back of his trunks and he would come to Mm -hmm. the ring and get everybody involved. And I think getting over is what's that reaction look like? I think it gets lost and forgotten because he would get a reaction and fans would love him. And I think it shouldn't be forgotten. So if he's unsung, it's because we're not singing his praises enough. Well, he was so captivating and he was a, he was a face and a heel back in the territory days. Mm-hmm. There was a thread storyline where he was blinded by hair cream. Yep. And, the JYD was coming out to the ring wearing eye patches, both eyes covered, and he was going to get jumped. And a fan was so engaged in the story, he stood up and pulled his gut out and said, JYD, I got you, man. <laughs> Everybody I heard stopped. that story. I heard that story. So that's that's when you know you're resonated. And, and honestly, the reason that he probably didn't have more title runs is he was that organically over with the fans. He didn't really need the title. No, no, no. Now Um, another, (laughs) I was going to go to another uh, African-American wrestling icon who I think shares similar properties. And you saw her in the ring just recently back in uh, impact. Now TNA jazz. You had your unsung male star, and you have Jazz, your unsung female star, and 
I think Impact did a great job referring to it as the icon jazz and uh, definitely, definitely a worthy title. She's been tremendous. And no doubt. I mean, from her time in ECW to her time in the WWF, um, it felt like in the WWF where she was competing with those that um, had an aesthetic look about them. Not that they they weren't capable of competing with Leah and Trish Stratus and Victoria, but Jazz was different in that she looked the part. I mean, if you were to take China and if you were to take a Nicole Bass and you were to shrink them a little bit, but yet give them all the skill set that the Jazz had because super dominant, super strong, um, that was her. And it's great that Impact put her on the pedestal that she deserved to be, but her connection to the industry can't be forgotten, shouldn't be forgotten. And her role with her husband, Rodney Mack, and, and their place and role in wrestling still today, running their own promotions and running their own shows is key because they're valued. Their word means something. And they're as much mentors now as they were performers. So you're not going to cross jazz. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tremendous Tremendous wrestler. She was the NWA Women's Champion for over 900 days. Rodney is one half of... Uh, I'm sorry to give away the mystery because oh, you know oh. they, they do wear masks, but Rodney Mack is one half of the current NWA World Tag Team Champions, Blunt Force Trauma, and they have their school, the Dog Pound, that they run together. Uh, one of the tremendous wrestlers of, of any era and definitely... Uh, Deserve it of that unsung champion title, the uh, unsung female female fighting phenom. Uh, mm-hmm. Very, very accurate. I learned about something that I didn't know from checking out some of these special stories for Black History Month on the Pro Wrestling Post. Bob Sapp, the first African-American IWGP heavyweight champion. So champion in New Japan. Tell us a little bit about Bob Sapp and so what Bob we Sapp, can learn from him. So from Bob Sapp, I mean, it, it's it's an interesting story about Bob because depending on who you ask about him, it's um, they'll either herald him as being the first something or they don't hold him as in a high regard. Um, but you can't take the athlete that he was in professional football, NFL, um, and what he's done there and not translate that into competing in MMA and then transferring that over into new Japan. That takes a heck of a lot of skill to be able to transition from sport really to discipline to another sport. And so that stands out too. So give the man his flowers for whether you are a fan of what he did in the ring or not to just be able to practice and compete with the likes of guys like Shinsuke Nakamura and be in the ring with those that have um, held that title. Um, it's, it's telling as well. Yeah. And that is a heck of an athletic background, an IWGP world champion, professional kickboxer with 31 fights, mm-hmm. not a great record, but still 31 kickboxing fights. He was 12 and 19 in those. And, MMA, he had 32 fights, 12 and 20. So that is an incredibly 
well-rounded career, including a stint in the National Football League for the Bears and the Vikings as a guard. And he played at 319 pounds. And just to point out the obvious when we show this picture, uh, he's not weighing 319 pounds there. No, no. But, I mean, it, that, he's got a frame that is reminiscent of a, of a Bobby Lashley, if we're going to compare it today. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not with the same type of definition, but sef- definitely the, the mesomorph-type body frame. Um, and <clears throat> definitely has a lot of personality. And I wonder what, how that would have translated if, he had, if it had moved more over into North American competing in, in WWE. What would that have looked like, right? What would we have gotten? Yeah, it's hard to say because if you wrestled primarily in Japan, a lot less personality, a lot more action in the ring. So mm-hmm. It's definitely a little bit of a different animal. A little bit of moose, too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. One more uh, story from the series, and we get to find out that there's multiple places that when you say, whose house, the people say Swerve's house. A nice bio piece on Swerve Strickland currently uh, rising up to the top of the card in AEW. And I got familiar with Swerve during the time that he was the MLW, the Major League Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion, not all that long ago, prior to going to NXT and being part of Hit Row. Uh, The guy's been a top-level performer in pro wrestling for almost a decade now and is you could say one of the breakout stars of 2024, despite the fact that he's been there all the way back to Lucha underground when he was kill shot. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think the story about how he, um, his family was in the military and how he moved around. Um, and yet if you now <laughs> he's a, he's multifaceted himself and that he's a performer, but, um, He's a musician as well. He has mm-hmm. that set behind him. Um, it's being able to do multiple things at different times shows your value. And it it's raised your stock because you're capable of doing many things. Um, you mentioned your familiarity with Swerve in MLW. I'm going to go the independent route and say I'm familiar with, you know, Washington's own um, – defy wrestling and his place far on the west coast and what he's done there and how people like him and darby allen that was home and how that's where they first navigated into where we're seeing them today so it's telling too um and it was only a matter of time and i think still if he was to go back and and show up at in defy he's just as welcomed because that's that was originally his house, and I think it may be still the house that Swerve built. Absolutely, yeah. I think he's he's one of those competitors that could go to any any company and be top of the card and and captivating because he has that. Uh, here we very different personality, obviously, but we referenced earlier how Junkyard Dog, the JYD big part of the reason why he's so memorable is just that he was so organically over Mm -hmm. people. People are drawn to him. There's a uh, magnetic 
type as there was a magnetic type aspect to his personality. And I think Swerve is is showing that both in MLW and WWE as part of Hit Row because they hit harder and in AEW and getting a little of assist from Prince Nana, but he's just connecting with the audience. The uh, the audience is pulling for him, even when he was the villain, which you're now seeing him seg away from that and uh, turning more to the side of good. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about, as we're winding down here, let's talk about Elimination Chamber. It's coming up this weekend. How are, how are you feeling? Uh, we're on the road to WrestleMania, and I think outside of the two Royal Rumble matches, the matches in the Rumble itself were somewhat underwhelming. How do you feel going into the Elimination Chamber for the other two matches that we're getting. We're getting a World Tag Team Championship match, and we're getting a women's title match, and I don't think uh, Mommy's losing in her home country. <laughs> Not at all. I think um, Mark and I even, we touched upon this in the podcast, but we think that anybody that has ties to Australia or even during their time competing in Europe um, not to say that they're geographically it's the same area, but at the same time have competed. Um, there's Melbourne City, Melbourne City Wrestling, which was um, a key promotion in Australia as well, that anybody that was have ties or competed there may just as well get that same kind of reaction, almost as their hometown <clears throat> um, talent coming to compete. So while Grayson Waller and, and Mammy or Rhea Ripley are going to be there. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the reactions of a Pete Dunn and the reactions of a Tyler mm-hmm. Bate. Um, I wonder what a JD McDonough, if he's there, what that reaction is going to look like. I think those are things to to kind of keep their eye on. But we're surprised that it's a four match card. As you and I are chatting right now, I I don't know of anything that might happen impromptu um, or not. But uh, as as we're recording this, it's four matches in and that's it i mean how do you carry an almost three hour show with four matches i'm sure nxt was able to do that with five but i don't know well the rumble was four matches Mm. and i yeah i think i think what you'll see is the waller effect with cody and with seth there that's going to be a extended that's going to be an extended set. I think you're looking at 10, 15 minutes there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the rumble matches, you know, you're guaranteed at least an hour in each one of those, because if you have 30 contestants, competitors, and then they're coming in every, every two minutes. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I think they've gotten away from the two minutes. Cause I got to tell you, my, my daughter sat and watched and said, daddy, there's no way that's two minutes. That has to be like <laughs> a minute and a half or something like yeah, it feels like... Sped it up a little. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a minute and a half from when they announce the last competitor. It takes them about 15, 20 seconds just to get to the ring. Sure. Uh, <laughs> How do you feel about the the return of the Bruiser White? He's not Butch anymore. He's found himself again. Uh, uh, do you think the Judgment Day loses the tag titles to Pete Dunne and uh, Tyler Bate? Um, well, if, if I'm going to talk with my heart... Um, I, I'm going to say yes. If I'm going to talk with my head, I'm going to say no. 
and say that for anything that uh, new, what are they calling themselves, new catch republic uh, is going to do will be impressive. I think they'll make a statement. I think fans will take notice that maybe didn't know very much about Tyler Bate um, and Pete Dunne. But to think that they're going to be the ones to dethrone the Judgment Day, I just don't see it. I think if Judgment Day is losing it, it's probably going to be at WrestleMania. But there's got to be more builds to it. So, okay, yeah. Yourself sounds you fair. Think? Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're going to lose. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's weird. The time it's going to be on domestically. Uh, the time zone I'm in is going to air at 4 a.m. on Saturday. Mm. Now. You can watch it, obviously, on Peacock. You can stream it whenever. But there is something fun to seeing it live as it happens, so you don't already know the results. Yeah. But it does show the power of international TV markets because the WWE is not airing it at 2 a.m. in some of the biggest TV market in the world because they're losing money. They're airing it at 2 a.m. in California because... It's going to be really good for the international markets to have something live in their time zone and give them an event, an event that I think otherwise to most American and Canadian viewers would just be, eh, okay, it's the Elimination Chamber. Yeah. So we were treated as Canadians last year when it was at a prime time in Montreal, Quebec, and it being at 8 o'clock. And so now, like you said, for yourself, it's going to air at 4. For us, it's going to air at 5 a.m., Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to record it and try and stay off of social media and walk around my house with my fingers in my ears saying, no, 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 I'm not going to hear this. Don't tell me what happened. <clears throat> so, yeah. Well, uh, like I said, I'm pretty sure Rhea Ripley retains uh, the tag team title. I could see going either way, but I'd imagine Judgment Day holds on to it. Although it would probably be good for uh, Damian Priest to be freed up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It still is. Senor Money in the Bank has the briefcase still. Uh, what about the two chamber matches? Who do you see coming out of those? Uh, I see uh, out of the men's, it's interesting because out of the six entrants, five are SmackDown only competitors, with the one from Raw being Drew McIntyre. So if we're following a bouncing ball and saying, well, if the title changes hands and it's the Raw title, well, Drew wins, he doesn't. He, he faces Seth. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to change brands, um, which I always find is interesting because how true do they hold to that? But I, I do see Drew with how his run has been, um, how he's picked up steam, how he's um, become so despised from what he did to CM Punk to what he's done to Cody to, yeah, I, I have a hard time not thinking that it's going to be Drew's to lose, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I don't see how he doesn't win it uh, because I, I think you're going to see Logan Paul against L.A. Knight for that U.S. title. That's mm-hmm. going to be a WrestleMania match. And I think you will see what will be eventful about the Elimination Chamber is it's going to spin off stories that you'll see come to fruition at WrestleMania. So it's an eventful pay-per-view no matter if 
the wins all go by chalk because you are going to be setting up upcoming stories. So it's definitely going to be, I think, an entertaining watch and well worth watching. Oh, no doubt. Uh, the women's side? Well, you know, they, they go through all the rigmarole when it comes to the, the WrestleMania press conference. Rhea comes out, who's the only person that comes to interrupt her but Becky. Yep. So why would you put so much stock in having Becky show up at a press conference where she's not competing for anything at that point? She wasn't announced for any elimination chamber if she wasn't going to be the top threat. And you know, no disrespect to any of the other women that are part of it, but at the same time, when you look at what is a, a main event caliber match, you know, you don't have Charlotte competing. You don't have, well, you do have Bailey competing, but uh, you, who would be the next? And, and Bianca has been in that position. Not to say that Becky hasn't, but why not circle back and this be an opportunity for Becky too? Um, so I, yeah. I see Becky coming out. I see Becky coming out. Definitely agree with that because I think you're going to see Bianca steamrolling ahead towards Jade Cargill. I mm. think uh, we'll see Jade Cargill actually have an official match in the WWE, and it'll be on the big stage. I think uh, it's going to be her and Bianca at WrestleMania. Now, I, I wanted to mention one other story that's on Pro Wrestling Post because it shows you just how much time can change things. Hmm. Not that long ago, the Battle of the Dust, Stardust and Gold Dust, the first time the Rhodes brothers uh, faced each other. It was at a WWE Premium Live event. Uh, how much uh, times have changed? Oh, no doubt. Um, they weren't happy with the output. It's a less than a 10-minute match. So if you were to compare it to their match at double at the inaugural Double or Nothing, where the blood was spilled and there was such emotion and they had time, um, it's like night and day. Uh, they weren't happy with it. it. I think it was just over eight minutes. Um, and we quote, and I pulled out quotes that Cody had said, you know, in thinking back, the Stardust character wasn't something he was happy with. He didn't necessarily make it work. It didn't work for a number of reasons. But uh, you could tell that things weren't going in the direction that he wanted. Um, but to see the two brothers actually get the opportunity to face each other was great. I just, it, w it was a, a lackluster match from two guys that are not lackluster. Um, so... It would have been nice to have seen more out of it. But yeah, it's incredible how times have changed. Thankfully, they've both left those characters in the dust. Yeah, and I think, good, good phrase. I, I think that uh, that run as Stardust really played a significant role in what you see now in the American Nightmare because that led him on his path to, you know, basically create his own kingdom, like his song says. Build my kingdom, and that's why. For as we wind it down here, my champion of the week, guy I believe will become the undisputed universal heavyweight champion of the world, uh, coming up at WrestleMania. Cody Rhodes, I'll make him our champion of the week because what an incredible turnaround from a preliminary match as Stardust to now being in the ring 
and getting the cheers over The Rock and Roman Reigns. Oh, for sure. Definitely telling as far as um, him wanting to finish the story and everybody soundly behind him. I think there's always the concern that could they keep this train going into WrestleMania where they weren't tired, where they were um, like it was being force fed to us. No, it, it, the passion and the interest and the enthusiasm in Cody is just as evident now as it was a year ago. And that's great to see. So uh, to all involved, I think they've all done a, a, a great job making sure that it's worked and he's faced guys like Brock and he's kept the interest going and people have stood behind him and like what other obstacles have stood in his way and he's kept it going and everybody's followed along and believe in him. And so how can you not want to see it ultimately be what it needs to be? The only person that could unseat that, and I said this to my wife, I'm like, you know, Damien Priest hasn't cashed in, but heaven forbid the night that Cody wins, that's the night that Damien goes and takes advantage. My gosh, talk about somebody being jeered mercilessly. Oh, <laughs> it was Damien yeah. that same night unseats him. That would be the true dusty finish, too. <laughs> it would. It would. <laughs> Do you have a uh, champion of the week as we're wrapping up here? Sure thing. Uh, my champion of the week is somebody that defeated Cody for the first time since WrestleMania, um, where he was pinned by Roman. Sure, it was through nefarious means, but at the same time, it's telling as far as big picture. Mm-hmm. Drew McIntyre is. Drew McIntyre, sure. He is. He is definitely headed in that trajectory of of a championship match with Seth Rollins does he take advantage of the wounded and and battered Seth Rollins and he walks out as champion I guess we'll find out in April very true and in the meantime go ahead and follow the pro wrestling post podcast wherever you get your podcast and check out some of the articles as well Mark thanks again for joining us here on the wrestling spotlight being a part of the wrestling spotlight universe I wanted to give one more champion of the week accolade out to a guest we've had on before, Lily La Pascadita from Chicago Style Wrestling, Northland Pro Wrestling. She got into the ring this past week with the undead bride herself, Sue Young, and uh, lived to tell about it. So a big week for Lily La Pascadita, and we'll let her bring us out and set the stage up for more here on the wrestling spotlight channel thanks hi everybody i'm lily la pescarita from northland pro wrestling your northland pro wrestling women's champ and you can see me on wrestling spotlight